Where do you spend your time, money, energy, effort? We talk about that today and really dive into what happened with Zillow's closing services to see how we should, what lessons we should learn from that and implement in our own business. Welcome to this week's episode of the Whistleway Podcast. Kyle, in 2019, Zillow launched a couple pretty unique programs. They launched Zillow Offers. They also launched their Zillow Closing Services, which were which was uh, title escrow closing services, right? Uh, we know Zillow Offers closed down a year ago, roughly. Yeah. Um, they just announced that they're cl- they're ending their closing services. You don't want to say they're closing their closing services. They're they're ending their closing services. Um, And so I want to kind of talk about that today on today's podcast. What does that mean? What can we learn? And uh, how we should, how should we move forward in the market with this knowledge? Cool. Yeah, we can definitely hit on that. I think there's some very valuable lessons that we can learn from their experience that we can apply to our experience as agents. So I'm excited to uh, dive into it today. And welcome to the Whistleway Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with EXP Realty here in San Diego. And I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. And the way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. So if you ever have a question, you can always go to thewhistleway.com, thewhistleway.com. Um, in addition to asking us questions, you can subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. You can join our referral network for all the people leaving California. You can get dialed in with our private Facebook group and email newsletter where we share a lot of tips and tricks. And if you're looking to up your video game, you can... Uh, take our Media Mayor Mastermind course on there. We'll share how we've established ourselves as the local experts here in San Diego. Um, all of that at thewhistleway.com. So Zillow closing offers. They wanted to be like the micro... The, I, I saw a quote. I looked at a lot of articles and they were all hidden behind a paywall. Uh, not all of them, half of them were. Um, but from what I saw, there was quotes saying they wanted to be kind of a, the Microsoft office for real estate, having everything all in one. The goal is to help simplify the process. We know the real estate, buying and selling real estate is complicated. Um, and I think, I, I will put some words in Zillow's mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they say, hey, it doesn't have to be as complicated as it is. How can we make this simpler for the consumer? How do we make this a better experience? What can we do? And so they launched a bunch of programs. Um, some are still... I mean, their their website is the number one real estate website in the world. In the world, um, but they also launched several things that they said, "Hey, this wasn't the right fit for us." One being Zillow offers, uh, now Zillow closing services. From one article I saw, they said they announced this, and then their stock hit a fifty-two week high on June twenty-eighth. So right after they announced this, or right after this news came out, their stock went up. And so, and I don't think that was the case when Zillow offers went down. I don't know, but I, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember back when it did, but I think it probably went up because they were losing their face off okay. doing it. So I think Wall Street was probably like, oh, good, you're not going to keep losing money doing this anymore. We like this. So I would actually be surprised. I don't remember what it did, but okay. I would be surprised if it went down. And if anything, I think it might have went up. Oh, okay. Well, this did better. Yeah. I had a 52 week high. Um, I wonder if 53 weeks ago they, they shut down Zillow offers. That might have been the why it's not 53 weeks. But um, so all that being said, 
what can we in the real estate industry take from this? For sure. So I think I get the idea of what they wanted to do um, is try to provide that end to end experience. That's what everybody wants to do. Everybody is trying to solve. If we can build this end to end experience for people, it's more seamless, it's easier, it's smoother. Um, and it's just an overall better experience for the consumer. So I, I respect the effort. There's a lot of companies that have been trying to do this. I, Keller Williams, you know, years ago, they said, hey, we're no longer a training company. We're a technology company, and we're going to provide an end-to-end experience. And, and Compass, you know, came out and, and has set a goal to do the same thing. And I think that uh, both of those companies realized, came to realize um, that it's way harder to build the technology and it's way harder to get the adoption of the technology or the services um, than people expect. And I think that is very likely what Zillow ran into is getting the adoption of their closing service, I think was harder than they expected. And um, I think, you know, a big thing, and I don't know how this is in every market, but here in San Diego, the escrow companies typically have reps that their sole job is to come and build relationships with you and, and add value to your business. And same thing with title, right? I mean, and again, some states you guys don't have escrow. It's all one in the same. Some of you guys have attorneys. So obviously just adapt this to your local market. But here in San Diego, we have escrow companies and title companies. They're two separate things. Sometimes they can all be under one umbrella, but they're separate companies. And so most of these companies have people whose sole job is to go build relationships. And I think that was something that Zillow probably didn't uh, account for as much as they should have. I think they looked at, hey, we have the relationship with the agents because we provide them with leads and opportunities to make more money. So because we have the relationship with them that they will use our services because of the relationship. So they saw that side of the relationship. So I think they were thinking on the relationship side, but I don't think the adoption, they understood how hard it is to get the adoption of things. And again, so many people underestimate that. They think it's going to be much easier than it's going to be because, but they don't think about how hard is it going to be to get people to adopt it? Yes, you can build a title company, an escrow company, a tech platform, but getting people to adopt it, that's the real challenge. Um, and, and you I'm, think that's because relationships? I think that's a huge part of it, yes. Okay. I think is, right, we have escrow reps and title reps that have been coming into our offices for years and we'll sit down with our agents and pour into them with everything they legally can. And now I understand in some states, legally they can pour into you with like box seats to the football game. Like we can't do that in California. You used to. Let's move to those states. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arizona, what's up? Um, so some states they can just buy your business. But here, which probably for the better, that was stripped away from most of these companies years ago. So they couldn't buy your business anymore. They truly had to earn it. So you know, a lot of these reps have tried to figure out what can I do to pour into people? How can I help them grow? We have a rep that was in here recently that was, you know, sharing, hey, here's how I can, I know you, I saw that you're flipping houses. Let me show you what I can do to help you get more at bats, more flip opportunities. Like that's adding value. And he's not paying for anything or buying anything. He's just sharing, hey, somebody else was doing this and I thought it would be valuable. So I wanted to share with you. Like that's, that's a lot of value. If, if he can help me acquire another handful of flips a year, like, that's a multi six figure thing to me. Like that's really valuable. And so the relationships I think that we all have as, as agents, I think that's an area where they probably didn't account for that and account for how much work it was going to be to get us to leave those relationships to go use their services. 
Now, so this is really interesting. Um, I, I see people, Zillow is very polarizing with agents. I think as a whole, consumers really like Zillow. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I use it when I'm looking, someone said, oh, I went to open a house. I opened the app to see what open house they went to. Uh, I think as a whole, consumers really, really like it. Yes, and I it's think they're the number one website by a hefty margin. Yeah, and I think they, they Zillow, their website, they're always constantly thinking of how can we make it better for the consumer. That's why they went to um, things like Zillow Flex to make sure the phone calls get answered. Like lots of reasons. Okay, cool. Agents are very polarized. Some agents are like, hey, I use it. it I make a good ROI on it. Let's go. Um, some people say Zillow's the devil. I hate it. They're taking our business. They want to be me. They want to put me out of business. I'm curious if their idea was to go in with the, the relationship play, how, how much that made a difference. Does that make sense? Just the fact that right out of the gate, let's just call it 50%, right? We talk about this with video, right? Like so many people are scared to shoot video because they're afraid of people judging them and not liking them. Like the reality of it is 50% of people aren't going to like you no matter what. If you're Tom Brady, right? One of the best football players in history, good looking guy. Like people are just not going to like him because of that. Even though he's a good guy, he's philanthropic, all this stuff. By the way, I don't know if you heard, he might be uh, hooking up with Kim Kardashian. Imagine that. Oh my that, goodness. That's, that might be happening. Um, but hey, like, you do you. People are naturally going to, if he hooks up with her, people are going to hate him even more, right? Like, or love him even more. Right. But <laughs> it's just more polarizing. And if you fly politically, the red flag, people with the blue flag don't like you and vice versa, right? Like, your beliefs on abortion, on like gay marriage, all this stuff. Like it's just, we're in this society where like, no matter what a percentage, a lot of times it splits us politically. It's almost right down the middle, 50, 50. Like that's just the society that we're in today. So no matter what Zillow does, it's like 50% of agents are gonna be like F Zillow. They're, they're coming like, and then the other 50% are gonna be on the other side of it. So I think no matter what they do, they're gonna run into that same scenario. And, and I think, you know, many things in life are that same way. So what can we learn from this? They ran it for four years. Yeah. It obviously didn't work because uh, they closed I it down. Didn't work as well as they hoped. Or okay. maybe they had other opportunities. I mean, I've, I've stopped doing things that were working because they weren't working as well as I wanted. They're still working, but not as well as I wanted. Or there's a better opportunity that came about. And it made sense to divert either time or energy or money to other things. So... Just because somebody shut something down doesn't mean it wasn't working. It just, there's a variety of reasons you shut something down. What can we learn from it? So relationships are everything. I think that, right, we talked about that's one of the reasons why I think this didn't work out as well as they might have hoped is that trying to break my relationship with my escrow rep that I've worked with for the last six years and is, is, you know, gone to bat for me numerous times and helped me with notaries at odd hours and done so many things for me over the years to like, for me to leave that person, it would take something really big for me to leave somebody. So I think understanding how valuable relationships are, because we don't value those enough in this industry. We get so many agents get so transactional when they need to be more relational. And I think that's a, a huge mistake most agents make. Think about going out and creating relationships like in all things. Like, if you want to go chase deal to deal to deal the rest of your life, like 
you knock yourself out. But if you can think about how can I create a relationship with a probate attorney, right? Who's going to run into probates. People are going to die forever. It's just, it's one of those things that's inevitable. Um, you know, having that relationship with a probate attorney or a divorce attorney or a bankruptcy attorney, like think about having those relationships. Like, do you have a relationship with each one of those? And we actually, we talked about it on our, um, we do internal masterminds with our agents last week. And I was talking to my veteran agents and one of them wanted to build some relationships. And um, just like we're talking about Zillow, there's a, a Zillow equivalent, or I don't know if it's the biggest or not, but it's called AVO, A-V-V-O. Here's a little tip for you, um, A-V-V-O. And you can go on there and you could say like, hey, I'm looking for a probate attorney in San Diego. And it's going to show you all the probate attorneys with rankings with profiles and reviews and all this stuff. And you can then just, there's your hit list. Like here's all the top probate attorneys in San Diego. And then I was like, as a real estate agent, we run into probates. So shouldn't you have a probate attorney in your corner? So when you, next time you have somebody call you that's going through probate, you should have an attorney you should refer them to. So now call the attorney, set up a lunch with them. And my agent's like, well, what do I say? I was like, I don't know. Let's go into BARD or let's go into ChatGPT. Hey, ChatGPT, I'm meeting, I'm a real estate agent meeting with a probate attorney for lunch, and I'm looking to come up with 20 conversational questions that I could ask the probate attorney to learn more about their business. And it was like, here's 20 amazing questions. And then I was like, I'm a, I'm a funny guy. I want to mix a little bit more humor and give me 20 more, but mix some humor in there. And then 20 more with some humor. Like, there you go. There's. Like it's literally telling you what to do at the lunch with the probate attorney. And then you write them down on note cards and you say, dearest sir or madam, next. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, so the relationships, that's, that's to tie it back to what the question was, is understanding the value of relationships. Because if you can establish really, really strong relationships, those relationships can't be broken. And I want to take it one step further. I, I love where you went with of, of, okay, let's think about what do I need as a business and how can we work that those relationships? But it's also relationships within people within your community, right? So uh, volunteering or, or being part of organizations or uh, meeting the local restaurant owners or business owners. Uh, and then again, we talk about, look, you can always keep chasing new leads or you th the best leads are referrals. So how do you build relationships with your clients throughout the process of helping them buy or sell to not only will, will they use you again in two, three, four, five, six years, but it was so good that they have to refer you to anyone they hear talking about real estate that you can do without chat GPT. You just do a great job. Yep. Absolutely. And then second thing is I was, just, I don't know if you guys know, do you know who Walter O'Brien is? No, dude, this guy uh, have you ever seen the show Scorpion on CBS or heard of it? No. Okay. Walter O'Brien is like one of the highest IQs ever recorded in the history of the world. This guy's like insanely smart. Um, very unique guy, right? What you would, his IQ is like 197, which is I think the fourth or fifth highest IQ ever tested in the world. I was watching um, something on YouTube. I just, I was looking at a video with my buddy Kent Clothier on it. And then it happened to be a two part video with Walter O'Brien being the other part. Um, and in this video, they talked about an investment strategy and there's multiple variations of this, but 
uh, like your variation of investing and mine are going to be very different. So there's strategies like a 70-20-10 investment strategy or 40-40-20. There's, there's multiple variations, but it ultimately breaks into three buckets how you invest your money. And so you kind of have your, your very safe and conservative bucket, your moderate bucket, and your aggressive bucket. Right now, yours, <laughs> we're, we're going to tilt very different. Zero, zero. <laughs> uh, that doesn't add up to 100, Brian, but it's okay. I keep 1% of my mattress. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, you talk about how you diversify your investment strategy, but it's also, we should think about how we diversify our business, right? We shouldn't be all in on any one thing. So, the 40 40 20 strategy in investing, the 20 is like your very risky things um, like angel investments, crypto, NFTs, these things that like they could go to the moon or they could go to zero, right? Like that's your 20%. I think this was Zillow's 20%. This was one of those things like, hey, let's, we have our, you know, our, our very safe and conservative bucket. We have our moderate bucket, but 20% of the time, like let's be trying things. Let's, let's, dabble in this. Let's dabble in that. Gary Vee, I think, talks about this too with like social, right? Like threads, is which we'll talk about more later. Um, like you shouldn't necessarily go all in on that, but like you should dabble in it, right? And then if it takes off, at least you've been dabbling in it and it, and it goes really well. Same thing like an angel investment, right? Like dabbling, try, do a little bit of it with and expect it to be prepared for it to go to zero. And I think that that's a strategy we should have in our business is we should have Again, play around with your numbers, 40, 40, 20. You should have 40%, which is your tried and true. This works 100% of the time. What would that be for us? We have our core four, which is your sphere of influence, your social, um, with your effectively ties into your sphere, um, open houses, and, leads. and our leads, right? Like that's our, our 40% that's like your core. Then your 40% is your moderate. So then it's like, okay, my other strategy is like, I'm going to, I'm going to go after expireds or I'm going to go after attorneys or whatever, like your moderate, there's a little bit of risk there. And then 20% should be like, Hey, there's this new thing. Like, let's, let's play around with this. Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. And if we get traction, boom to the moon and, but we could try it and it could bomb and go nowhere. And it's okay to fail. I think sometimes we have such a heavy fear of failure that we won't try that 20%. But sometimes that 20% can be huge. That could be like flipping, right? Like I relaunched a flipping division at the beginning of the year. That's done amazingly well. Like there's risk though. Like that's my 20%, right? Like it's a risky thing, especially in the market to like start flipping when the market was shit in January. Lo and behold, that happened to be the bottom of the market. Um, but that was a risky thing to dive back into that. But now every property we bought, they're selling for well above what we thought they were going to. So you should play around. You, what's your 20%? Maybe this was, I don't know this, but maybe this was Zillow's 20% of let's, let's take some risks. The other thing that I kind of want you to talk about, because I, I like what you're talking about, not for me, but for other people taking some risk. Um, I think if you as a real estate agent are looking to say, hey, I'm going to take some risk here and try out this service it, or and maybe replace one, uh, maybe replace your title and escrow with Zillow Closing Services. And if you know, hey, this might be a little risky, can you talk a little bit more about building your bench and, and uh, kind of having a backup so that way when Closing Services goes away or when one of your lead pillars goes away, you're not left on an island? I think that's why you have the diversification, right? You're not 100 zero 
again, sure. for you, you're 100, zero, zero, 100 on safe and zero on moderate and zero on risk. Um, Can you do minus on a <laughs> Brian's like, I'd, I'd like to go over 100 <laughs> on conservative, please. So I think that's the key is, again, you try these things um, and, and see where they go and, they, and they, they might take off, but you should still have like your tried and true, which we do that with even with closing services. Like we have our tried and true, but there's a couple other things out there. Where I'm like, hey, let me let me dabble here, let me dabble here. But I have kind of my my tried and true. But if my tried and true fails, I have a couple other relationships out there as well. And so if if relationship A just disappears tomorrow, I, I have relationships with B and C that I've already established that you know I can foster that can come in and backfill that. Now, Zillow, when they try and do these things, they try and do them on a national level. Usually they start in a few areas and then it grows, right? I don't know if they did closing services nationally. I I don't know. Maybe I, they did, maybe they didn't. I but looked at one most of, of their stuff they pilot in different markets, like Flex right now. They've they've flipped, I think, six markets so far to like fully flex. Mm-hmm. Zillow offers, I think, went to twenty something markets. Like they never made it nationwide. So they for the most part, they do start with you know, a couple beta markets and, and roll them out from there. Okay, that's a good point. Is this a cautionary tale for maybe it's a team, right? Probably not a team of three people, but a bigger team um, to start opening up and branching out where legally they can into mortgage and title and escrow or, and bringing them in-house to kind of have this all-in-one solution. Is this a cautionary tale or are you, is it Zillow's very smart? They've got a lot of money but maybe they spread too thin. Maybe it's those relationships where you go, I already have relationships. My team agents will use my people. Is this something that should make people nervous or go, yes, it didn't work out well for them as well as they wanted to, but I can still do it and make money and add a, a strong part of my business. I think it, yeah, it should be a cautionary thing for okay. sure. Um, don't go too wide Right now, they Zillow has can go as wide as they want, right? Correct. Plus, they have massive amounts of backing, so they can go far wider, right? They can launch a title and escrow company and have it fail, and stocks still go up, right? They're they're that big of a company. You're probably not that big, right? If if you start to spread because you hear like, and again, this is like I've gone to so so many less conferences over the last year or two, and it's helped my business grow. Because I'm not getting pulled in a million different directions and, and hearing people on stage like, oh, I run this. And like, you know, for this, like, oh, I got a title company. I got a mortgage company. I got an escrow company. I got this. I got this. Like, and then you come back from the conference like, oh, my gosh, guys, I, I'm going to do all these 500 things. Like, and then you half-ass all of them and they all flop. Like, Well, you, so, you give it to us and then we don't understand it. And then three months later, you go, oh, yeah, forget about that. We're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. So, honestly, think about this. You've been with me for a long time. Yeah. Like. I'm not coming to you guys all the time with all these fucking ideas because I'm not going to these conferences hearing about all this stuff when, and I shot a video recently, like, I'm going to be very real with you guys. Like, there's a lot of people that get up on these stages. They have imposter syndrome. They don't think they belong there. So then they bullshit and they lie on stage or they embellish, like a lot of them are great fishermen. Um, (laughs) A lot of people embellish things and make them into way more than they are, or they don't talk about like the downside, the negatives, like that happens all the time. And so like, I mean, our buddy Brad, right? We were the San Diego event, the summit. There was a guy on stage who talked this huge, huge game about all these deals he was doing in Louisiana. 
I'm not going to say his name, um, was talking this huge game on stage. And my buddy ends up hiring him for his team, and the guy doesn't sell a house in six months. Oh, I was like, what? And he was on stage. I know who you're talking about, too. Yeah. And on stage, this guy was talking about he sold like 20-something homes in his first six months. And so my buddy recruits him. The guy can't sell a home in the next six months. So, like, that that is common. There's so many people that get up on these stages and just BS, right? They want that image. They want to look cool. And um, so not going to all these events like I used to, not hearing all these people that, that are distracting and taking my attention and focus away and allowing me just to focus on my team, my people, and just the growth internally and not, we don't need new things. Like so many people, like if you're watching this, listening to this, you don't necessarily need a bunch of new things. Like I said, maybe like 20%, like a little dabble over here. That might be high for a lot of you guys. And most of you guys, this should probably be in real estate, like 70, 20, 10, I would say. Like it's probably the right mix for most agents, like 70% tried and true sphere, open houses, right? Like that kind of thing. 20% like door knock expires, whatever. And then 10% like threads, right? Like maybe that's where you go with it. So, um, I think that that's, that's a big thing for a lot of people is, is you don't believe everything you hear or see And it, some of those people, they're not lying to you. Half of them are lying to you, and then there's another percentage of them that aren't lying. They're just not telling you the whole truth. They're not telling you that they're actually making zero dollars or that they hate their freaking life because they're working 80 hours a week, and they're not telling you all of that when they're up there. So just be cautious about what you hear on stage. Um, or, but not what you hear on this podcast. Yeah. This podcast, like, true. <laughs> <laughs> we, we shoot very straight. I, I don't need, I don't need to hide anything. So. Um, you can ask me anything, I'll shoot very straight with you. So I, I think that's a big thing, though, is there, you don't need to go do all of this. I think you focus, again, let's go 70, 20, 10. For most agents, is probably the right mixture of safe and conservative, moderate and, and high risk. Cool. Very cool. Let's go where you wanted it to. I was curious. What I love about these podcasts, I'm like, I wonder what Kyle wants thinks about this. I'll ask him on the podcast. So, yeah, I went exactly where I wanted to. Cool. Well, hopefully you guys got some value out of this. If you did, if you are listening on a podcast platform, if you could hook us up with a review when you're done with this, it would really mean a lot to us. We really appreciate that. It's hard to get reviews um, on podcasts, so it means a lot. And also, obviously, make sure to subscribe. And then if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit the thumbs up button. Uh, if you have questions, throw it in the comment section. And if you want more of the content, hit the uh, subscribe button and the little notification bell, and YouTube will take care of the rest. Before we wrap up the show today, we like to do something we call the whistle widget of the week. This is something we utilize in our business that either saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have more fun. You're up. Okay. I was waiting for you to throw it to me. Anyways, um, today I did a coaching call and I was talking about the importance of having written, documented uh, SOPs or checklists, especially as you grow your team. It gives you the ability to grow. It gives you the ability to not rely on a single key employee that that person's the only one who knows how to use the, the CRM. So that way, if they quit or go on vacation, you're totally screwed. And uh, I was talking about some different ways to do this and doing checklists on paper or whatever. And I was reminded about a product that we've used in the past that's pretty cool. And it's called Scribe. Uh, the website is scribehow.com. And what you do is there's a free version and a paid version. What you do is you say, okay, basically record my screen. And as you go through and do things, it will take screenshots when you click. It'll take screenshots of what you type. It'll And it will 
give you, uh, once we hit stop, it'll tell you the step by step by step. First do this, then do this, then do this. You can rename it. So if you're like, oh, 123 Main Street, and it says type in 123 Main Street, you know, type in the property address here. Um, and all that's with the free version, the paid version, you can redo screenshots and all sorts of different things. But uh, it's great if you're teaching a new hire how to do something. It's great if you, I, I love it for having your team members do it. So, hey, this is the process that you do over and over and over again. Document it. So that way when you go on vacation or that way when we hire a new person, they can pick up and take off with it without you having to spend three hours teaching them. So scribehow.com is my widget. Cool. Um, mine will tie in. I already mentioned it a couple of times through here, but let's talk about the, the 10%, right? That you're going to dabble in something and try something out. That's, that's on the, the higher end of the risk scale. Um, and the one we have to talk about is threads from Instagram or from meta more specifically. Um, that is the new Twitter competitor is what it's kind of billed as. Um, I think you have to dabble in it, mm -hmm. right? I don't, I don't know that we need another social media platform. I think we need one like we need another hole in our head. Um, so I don't know that we necessarily need another platform, but I'm not going to ignore the platform either. Um, you know, and the thing that I found that I like the most about it is I can post something in there, but then I can carry it over into Instagram and the two kind of work symbiotically. Now, why are there two separate platforms? I don't know. I have a feeling that they might all merge together at some point, but it just got a lot more attention back on Meta and in Insta. Um, so I think it's something that's absolutely worth paying attention to. I think it's something we're dabbling in. And some of these platforms, you could jump into these things and, you know, they like Clubhouse, like that, sure, that's not nearly as popular as it was, but there's some people, uh, our boy William Tong, like got super freaking famous, right? Uh, built a lot of celebrity from Clubhouse, even though it bombed, relatively speaking, that turned into something great. I mean, Grant Cardone became a, and his wife Elena became a part of EXP because of Clubhouse. Like, there's a lot of things that happen. So even though that platform didn't, have staying power. There were a lot of great things that came from it from those that were early adopters. Like our founder, Glenn was on there a lot and Grant was on there a lot and they built this relationship and, um, you know, Grant's doing stuff with the company. Elena's a part of the company. Like it's really cool what came out of that. So even though that didn't continue, great things came out of that. And this might be one of those and, and this might take off and, you know, shut Twitter down. That could happen. It could fall off like clubhouse did. But even if it falls off, great things came out of Clubhouse. So I think you should have some time, some attention, some focus on it, see where it goes. And if it takes off, you know more than the people who were like, I don't need it. And now they're starting from scratch and you already got, you know, a good hold on what's going on there. So threads yeah, well, from Meta. Yeah, what I found ahead. is it's e the easiest time to get followers is when it's brand new and everyone's jumping on, everyone's following everyone they know. So it's a great time to start and try it out and you mentioned Gary V earlier in the episode. Um, and I don't remember what he was talking, which platform that didn't have staying power that he used, but he said he tried one. He spent a lot of time and energy on it and then it totally collapsed. And it was like, oh. Tumblr. No, it was, it was a precursor to vine. Okay. And then vine came out and he already had the skills necessary. And so he didn't have a, a learning curve. He just used what he already learned. So, um, maybe it might not work well long-term for this particular platform, but Twitter has proven that it's been around for a while. Um, it's time that someone else came out and maybe this is Instagram's 
their 20% of, yep. of trying new stuff out. So cool. All right. Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys got a lot of value out of the show today. Again, I'm Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty here in San Diego. I'm Brian Kochi. We'll see you next week. Wait, wait. Before you leave, I want to share some more tips and tricks that we're using in our business to take it to that next level. Just click right here. And don't forget to subscribe. Click right here.